0: I think uh, you want to take two penalties and be on the ice for their their goal, but I think that there was some stuff to build on. Obviously, they're a uh, they're a really good team, and you know you get matched up against a pretty good line for you know part of the game. So first game in 11 months, it's good to just get get back doing uh, doing it. And honestly, I was having a pretty fun time out there, and so uh, I think there's uh, there's some stuff to build on, but it's a process. I know it's going to get better. It's uh, you know, it's. I didn't expect it to be perfect tonight, so I think there's a lot
1: to work on. But that was first game, so I think there's some good to uh, good to uh, build on as well.
0: What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey, and boy, do we have a lot to get to this week. I feel like I say that on a lot of shows. Where I'm like, oh man, there's so much going on. No, 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 no. Listen to me now. We have so. Much to get to, so much has happened in the last three or four days with the Golden Knights, and we are so excited to break it all down. I, of course, am Ben Goetz, one of the Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers, joined, as always, on the other line by my colleague, David Shane. Dave, we are recording on Thursday. The dust has settled at least a little bit on a lot of the topics we will get into. But is your head still spinning from all that we have absorbed this week,
1: yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to be, uh, be a little more brief. Try, try to practice some brevity this week as we go through this, so we don't go over our, uh, our time limit here, and make sure everybody's, you know, keep it interesting, keep that attention span going.
0: Yeah, we're just gonna go right from big topic to big topic to big topic. So who knows? We probably will end up going longer than we usually do because we don't get a lot of weeks like the one. That has been going on with the Golden Knights. So we will dive into everything. Uh, We have Jack Eichel-related topics. We have Mark Stone-related topics. We have even a Marc-Andre Fleury-related topic that I'm very uh, excited to uh, dive into because uh, there was a fun, you know, brief flicker across uh, basically Knights Twitter and the Knights space of the internet a couple days ago, and uh, Dave very rudely tried to, you know, squash out some of their enthusiasm. So we'll get to why Dave hates fun in a minute here. Uh, but first, I want to remind everyone, uh, that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also, if you guys could rate, uh, review, subscribe, whatever you do, podcast, please do to this one. Uh, we would very much appreciate it. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, one Number nine, and the fact that we saw Jack Eichel in a Golden Knights uniform last night. You heard from him off the top. He made his, of course, long awaited debut against Colorado uh, after recovering from artificial disc replacement surgery on his neck. He, of course, as we've covered on this podcast, is the first NHL player to undergo uh, that procedure. Uh, It was not an earth shattering debut. Uh, Jack Eichel was playing for the first time. In about 11 months, but we saw him, Dave. We saw Jack Eichel play a hockey game. What did you think?
1: Well, he was there, and he looked fast at times on the back check, and certainly you could see the skill, but let's be really honest here. Like, he was rusty. You could tell that he had been off for 11 months, and at least from my point of view, I'd like to see his game a little bit more and whether this is just – you know, something that we saw last night in a first game back or with, whether this is just kind of, you know, a little bit of the player he is. But there was a lot of on the periphery and making sure that he was on the weak side, sort of staying, you know, a little bit away from the action until, you know, the puck kind of came free. And then all of a sudden he would be wide open. So it wasn't like he was shying away. But there was a definite... Um, I would say trait to his game in terms of finding like the quiet, soft ice sort of, you know, on the other side of the action away from the play, sort of waiting for, for something to work to his side. And then all of a sudden he could work his magic. So, you know, you saw glimpses Pete DeBoer referred to that, but you know, certainly I think there's, there's a little bit to go there. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's call it like it is.
0: No, absolutely. There is a, Long way to go, but uh, I think definitely it was encouraging for him to kind of take this first step. I think the Knights were happy. He took the first step. Obviously, they traded for him in November. He had his neck surgery not that long after, and then he has, of course, been recovering uh, first in North Carolina. Then he came to Las Vegas, was around the team, practicing with the team initially in a non-contact jersey. Then they come back from the All-Star break. All of a sudden, he's ready to take contact again. And then, obviously, he took uh, probably one of the biggest steps he's going to take uh, between now and the end of the year. And actually getting back into a game action uh, last night, he had one shot, took a couple penalties, uh, was a minus one in the night's 2-0 loss to the Avalanche. It was actually the first time they've been shut out in back-to-back games uh, in franchise history. So, definitely not perfect. And he even talked about after the game that, look, I haven't played a game in 11 months because his last game was March 7th. Uh, with the buffalo Sabers before last night so he wasn't you know expecting to just light the world on fire but definitely there's a lot of room for improvement there Or well, let's quick hear from uh golden knights coach pete DeBoer and what he thought of jack eichel's game
1: i thought he worked hard um
0: like i said you know 11 months off jump in middle of the season against you know arguably the best team in the league it's a big ask uh I thought he did a good job. He saw flashes of what he's going to be able to do for us. He made some really good plays to some people, Um, you know, did a lot of good things and it's a great first step. So that was Pete DeBoer's uh, quick thoughts. Uh, Like I said, uh, obviously Eichel, you know, has a lot of room to grow, but, you know, everyone, I think on the team, you know, whenever you even ask them about Eichel, you would think it might even get, you know, annoying. (laughs) to them a little bit because everyone's kind of asking them about Jack, but even still today, you know, Shay Theodore and Brett Howden kind of lit up and be like, "Oh yeah. Like I'm so excited to talk about this guy and what he can bring to our hockey team. Cause you do see at least in practice so far. And I think you touched on it well, Dave, that he didn't quite show the full compliment in a game yet, but the skating is there. The shot looks unbelievable. There's so much to work with there. And it's just a matter of how quickly can he kind of be confident in what he's doing And then also be confident in what everyone else on the ice is doing in terms of, I think you saw a couple times last night where, you know, he thought his teammates would be in one spot and they weren't. And then vice versa, where, you know, his linemates thought Jack would be in a certain spot and uh, he wasn't there. So he's still learning the systems um, and all that. Um, So as we move forward here now that uh, Jack Eichel is officially a rostered member of the Golden Knights and we're potentially looking at, you know, 30 plus games of him on this team down the stretch here. What are you going to be kind of keying in on and and looking in this next little bit here as he works his way up to speed? What are you kind of looking to see from him as he kind of tries to kind of improve game by game to the point where he's getting back to where he was, which was one of the most dangerous players in the NHL?
1: Yeah, you know, so I think for for, for him, and you referred to it, and he talked about it too, I think it's just that mental hump you know, I think he, he went in and he took some bumps. He got hit 20 seconds into the game and then, you know, like seven seconds later, you know, went out and hit somebody right back. So it wasn't like he was totally shying away from contact. But, you know, I think you could also tell there were some times where he was hesitant to really, like, go in there and potentially take a big hit, you know, from a defenseman or whatever it might be. I, there's all that mental stuff, you know, with him and, and all that. And, and that's fine and that'll come with time the, but there's there's really there's there's two aspects I think of Jack Eichel's game and then sort of more so it's the gold you know the golden knights and what they have to do with with Jack Eichel the first one is on the power play it's very evident and Jack Eichel operates from the left half wall and the golden knights have had guys that sort of do that they've Kind of tried Mark Stone over there, but they've never had anybody that will run the power play and pretty much quarterback it from that left flank, from that left half wall. And it was very similar. It was almost like watching a flipped, you know, mirror version of like what Tampa tries to do with Kucherov on the left, or excuse me, on the right flank and on that right half wall, him being a left hand shot. You know, Jack Eichel does it from the left-hand side. The Knights have always had somebody over there kind of more like March or so, trying to, you know, maybe hammer a one-timer, sort of like, you know, like Ovechkin Light, you know, or something like that. It's completely different to have somebody who's going to operate over there and have the ability to one-time and and shoot from that that face-off circle, but more so be a playmaker from there and have the puck move there and then have him be able to find the pass that unlocks everything, you know, gets the, the PK scrambling and, and all of that. You could see him kind of looking for the, the cross ice pass, you know, trying to find patch trying to find, you know, whoever it was, maybe uh, I, I think it was the Donov and the bumper on that unit. Like it, it's just, it's going to be an adjustment for the Knights. Because especially, here's the other thing, too. They they practiced for a month with Mark Stone, you know, probably behind closed doors on that unit. And now all of a sudden, like, he's not there. Uh, Nolan Patrick gets hurt in that game. He was on that unit, so, like, he's not at net front. So, like, there was some adjustment in-game that that had to happen. But I, there's going to be an adjustment for the Knights to get used to having somebody run a power play unit from that area Have that being plan A. I've talked so much about how they don't have a plan A. And all of a sudden, like, that's going to be plan A. And let me transition into sort of the other thing that comes with that. Plan A, everybody knows what's going to happen. That people are going to overload on that. There were times last night where it felt like the Knights were almost deferring a little too much to Jack Eichel when they had the puck and trying to find him going out of their way to get him the puck. He's our superstar. let him make something happen. And yeah, you know, that's part of it, but it, it felt a little unnatural. It felt like it was out of the flow of the game, out of the flow of the offense. I guess you could say it's a, maybe use like a basketball analogy. And, and I think that's another adjustment that that's going to have to come is, to not everybody say, oh, okay, well, let's just get the, the, the puck to Jack Eichel and that's going to be our offense. Like, it can't work that way. The, there was one example, I'm pretty sure if I remember right from the direction that they were going, it would have been the second period. And Alex Petrangelo had the puck going through the neutral zone and was like leading the rush. And there was somebody open on the left wing too. He could have very well kept skating with it. He could have found that guy in the left. He could have dumped it in, like, whatever. He actually sent like a like a short drop pass to Jack Eichel in the neutral zone and Eichel looked handcuffed like he was completely not expecting that pass and he was good enough to be able to find whoever I don't remember who it was on that left wing and and hit them and the puck kept moving i think they were able to get in the zone and you know I don't remember exactly what happened after all of that but like that particular play stood out to me as as an example of like them looking for him too much and deferring for it to him too much instead of just letting the game happen and when he gets his chances, then allowing his talent to, you know, create openings for other players.
0: Yeah, it's gonna take a while for them, I think, to find that balance because A, Jack Eichel is, you know, so talented as a player. I mean, I wrote this the other day, but um I mean, this is a guy that plays center and describes himself as a quote-unquote setup guy. Yet he scores, you know, in his career, he scored basically as many goals per game as Max Pacioretty has. I mean, that's the kind of player that Jack Eichel is. So naturally, when he joins a team and starts playing with them, he will change things. It's only natural that a guy with that level will change things up. But obviously, he's not necessarily at that level yet, and he's still... One, getting up to speed, obviously himself, just getting his game back to where it was. And then, B, as we've talked about, he's learning, obviously, to play with all the other people around him as well. And it was interesting, you know, William Carlson was talking um, a couple of days ago about how he just thought the systems would actually be the biggest hurdle for Eichel, just because he's got to learn to play with, you know, all these new guys and learn. Okay, what does Max Pacioretty do when he has the puck? As you're describing, what does Alex Petrangelo like to do when he has the pucks? Oh, I've got to be ready for that drop pass. I didn't realize that this is a guy that does that kind of thing. And just all these little tiny data points you learn with uh, playing with guys that, you know, over time, like the Misfits obviously can read each other perfectly because they've played however many hundreds of minutes together at this point in their careers. And Eichel's at about, you know, 10 max with people on the Golden Knights right now. So that's just something that takes time, but yeah, it was interesting to watch him operate specifically on that power play that you're mentioning Dave from that half wall spot because I mean Pete DeBoer kind of straight up said today it's like there were plays that, you know, got made on that power play that we just haven't seen, you know, made for us all year. Like that kind of instant like okay, this is, you know, tr- at least in some transformational about like this unlocks so much of what we can now do and accomplish and, you know, how we can attack penalty kills in a much different way than we're used to doing. And so I think, you know, as you've used word glimpses before, we just saw the potential there of like, okay, when he gets up to speed, there's the potential for this to be really good. It's just unclear exactly how long, It might take because, I mean, this is a guy that, as we've touched on, hasn't played hockey in 11 months. And so there's not exactly an easy roadmap for when he's going to be kind of Jack Eichel again, especially because he's coming back from a surgery that has never been done on an NHL player before. So even though he's accomplished a major step, which is playing in a game again. There's still obviously some road ahead, and what that road exactly looks like, and how long it is, is still somewhat unclear.
1: Yeah, and you know, without getting too much into the medical stuff, I, I want to focus more on like the chemistry thing, and you know, it does it takes a while, and like the Pachetty th- is such a good example. I, I've noticed this in practice, and I, I, I'm sure you have too. Like he's gone with Pachetty in, in two on ones and things like that, and and he'll get that pass across. And one, I don't think anybody else on that team, you know, maybe short of Mark Stone, could make the passes and get it through defenseman the way that Eichel does. But two, you can also see that he's putting it in a spot for almost like Patrick to one-time it. And we've talked about this, and you know, fans and you know, have probably seen this and know. Like is not a one-time guy. He's more of like a catch and shoot. He likes to catch it and snap it, you know, and so like, Eichel is almost realizing you can see his frustration with himself on those passes. He's so hard on himself. Like, his, he's such a perfectionist. He expects to be able to put it, like, six inches farther to the right, you know, to where Pacioretty can catch and shoot instead of, you know, maybe a little bit out toward, like, front foot where Pacioretty would be able to one-time it, you know? Like, it's little subtle things like that. And it sounds really easy to just be able to go, oh, okay, we'll make the adjustment. But, you know, it takes a little bit of time you know, it's, it's when, it, when it's habit to do, it's, you know, in a different way when you've had line mates, you know, that, that like it, you know, in a certain area and you're used to it. And all of a sudden you kind of have to adjust in the fly. Like that, that those are all just a little chemistry things, you know, that come with it. And sometimes it never happens. Sometimes guys that, you know, you would think work great together don't. And then sometimes it, it clicks, you know, real quick. So, you know, if you're the gold Knights, as long as jack eichels you know that one c spot and pacharetti's up there you know you'd hope that they would be able to you know develop some chemistry and figure some things out and you know like you said a playmaker like jack eichel should be able to at least you know in theory you know work with a finisher like pacharetti yeah we'll have to see how they kind of continue to progress moving forward here cuz
0: they got another game already uh tomorrow against the los angeles kings but let's transition into how jack eichel Got on the Golden Knights roster and why he was able to play Wednesday. uh, Because we've talked in many previous episodes about like, hey, to get on the roster, a lot of other stuff needs to happen. Salary cap wise, potentially, you know, even moving some guys off of the roster. Well, uh, one guy moved out the roster, off the roster, at least the active roster. And that, of course, is Mark Stone. He got placed on long term injured reserve with a back issue that according to Knights center manager, Kelly McCrimmon has kind of been bugging him all year, kind of acting up. And that's why we've seen him miss time at various points uh, of the season, where obviously uh second game of the season against uh, Los Angeles stone comes out and then he's gone for a significant period of time. And then there have been other games throughout the season where he's missed or come out early during a game and then been able to come back potentially the next game or something like that. So it's been something he's dealing with all year. They officially put him on long-term injured reserve on Monday, which allows them enough salary cap flexibility to put Eichel on the active roster without basically doing anything else. The Knights did wave uh, forward Adam Brooks this week. So they did clear up a roster spot that way, but they have enough salary cap space at this point to keep Eichel on. They're close to what they need to activate defenseman Alec Martinez whenever they decide he's ready to come back on the roster as well. I think they might have to make you know one move potentially to get him back on, but it's not going to require like a major move like trading someone, uh, you know, that long-standing member of the team away at least initially. Um, now, in regards to Stone's back injury, there's not a timeline here. Um, McCrimmon's actually said they're not. Even quite sure what's wrong with Stone's back, despite the fact that if I'm remembering correctly, he said Stone has already seen six specialists with his back. He kind of said, like, there's more than one issue and there might be some overlap there. So it's like a really complicated and obviously sounds uh, very unpleasant. Um, So. Uh, The fact that Stone has a back injury that he's been dealing with all season, but was kind of officially re-put on long-term injured reserve right before Eichel was ready to come back, Uh, there is a, obviously, straightforward way to view what happened there and a cynical way uh, to view it. So let's start with the straightforward first, because uh, obviously it was you know, unusual for McCrimmon to actually come out and talk about it. And he talked at length about Stone's injury. He actually had, I believe, like a 25-minute press conference. And he, you know, made sure to say, like, I will answer any questions you guys have about this. So he, I think, outside of showing us Stone's actual medical records and reports, was trying to show his work here as much as possible and show, like, look, like, this is a real thing. This is a real Issue, we're not just shutting down Mark Stone because we can or because it's convenient, we're doing it because he is injured. So I'll start taking this straightforward, Dave. Your concern over Mark Stone battling a back issue for if it's true that he's been battling it for uh the playoffs about seven months here, uh, is what at this point?
1: You know, I don't know. I, I feel like It's on the higher end because it's a back and they're so tricky and it just seems like it's a lingering recurring thing. And I go back to that Montreal series and how Mark stone was held without a point and we all wondered and speculated, was he hurt? You know, and we asked him, he said, no. You know, but now we're hearing that this injury goes all the way back to these play to those playoffs, you know, maybe even before. We don't know. And, and so, like, well, clearly it bothered, like in retrospect, in hindsight, like it was an obvious issue then. Like they just didn't acknowledge it. He didn't acknowledge it. Otherwise, maybe that series turns out a little differently. And then think back to, you know, the start of this season and training camp and early in the year and he goes out on a non-contact injury and he's out for a month and they're, you know, talking about, you know, having to look at surgery as an option, you know, and ruling that out. And, and Mark Stone, when he came back, you know, made a comment about how at that time, you know, he basically kind of fooled himself into thinking he was healthy. Like this is a concern. I mean, I don't want to sound alarms, but you know, I'm older. I remember Mario Lemieux you know, and back injuries robbing him. and Like, you think of how many guys that have back problems, you know, that, that rob them of careers. And I mean, this is a total leap, but, like, Mark Stone's a golfer, too. You know? Who knows if it's something that came from... Like, there's all different sorts of things with, like, you know, golfers and back injuries and the problems that they have. I mean, so, you know, hockey players and back injuries and trying to skate? Like, come on. No way. So, the fat, and this is the other thing too like Kevin McCrimmon basically indicated like they don't know what it is they they can't pinpoint it there's overlapping issues and you know he's seen what six doctors six specialists across North America he's had 10 to 12 you know diagnostic tests and and nothing has come back you know in terms of definitive hey mark this is what the problem is this is what you need to do like that's the most frustrating thing from the knight's end, from Mark Stone's end, with all this is, they can't just say it's X. You need to do Y and Z. And so, yeah, I think anytime you're dealing with, you know, something, you know, that that's mysterious like that. I hate to use that word, um, but just unknown and and unsolved. Like they haven't figured out this problem for, like you said, what going on at least seven months now. Yeah, and this is your captain. And this is arguably your best player. So, you know, I don't know if this is a career-threatening thing. Kelly McCrimmon wasn't asked that. I'm maybe kind of kicking myself. Maybe they did a pretty good job of selling, you know, hey, we're more concerned about having him back in May. And, you know, that's what he's aiming for. But it feels like this could be a bigger thing than, you know, maybe it, it seems at the moment. Right. And so that's
0: obviously, I guess, leads, you know, into the cynical view of this, which you just kind of hinted at of like, oh, maybe they'll just get him ready uh, for May. Because the obvious, I think, comparison that is going to be drawn to what's happening with the Golden Knights and Mark Stone right now is the Nikita Kucherov situation last year. Uh, If you want to go back further, you can uh, compare it to the Patrick Kane situation. Um, But this has been something that's been talked about a while with kind of the Jack Eichel return looming of like, oh, are the Golden Knights going to uh, Nikita Kucherov someone? And I think the person that most people speculated it would be would be Eichel himself. And for a lot of reasons, we said that that wouldn't make sense. And they might have found another person to do it Uh, and Mark Stone. So for those uh, that are not familiar with what happened with Nikita Kucherov last season or just need a quick refresher. What happened is, of course, the bubble playoffs happened. The Lightning are the Stanley Cup champions, and they are facing a cap crunch uh, before the 2021 season, the the short and regular season that we got last year, which was all divisional play in the regular season. So it looks like, man, the Lightning, they got this great team, won a cup, might have to break up the band a little bit because they're not going to be able to fit everyone under the cap. And then all of a sudden it's revealed, oh, Nikita Kucherov, one of their best players, who Dave's previously talked about, being that elite half-wall guy on the right side of the Lightning Power Play, former Hart Trophy winner, uh, needs hip surgery. And uh, it's basically, you know, ends up being the case where Kucherov gets the surgery, goes on long-term injured reserve the entire year, which solves the Lightning's cap issues. They don't have to, you know, break up the band more than you know, they were expecting to because they can keep him on LTIR all year. And he comes back uh, for game one of the playoffs where there is no salary cap and uh, lights it up, dominates. I mean, he had one of the most uh, incredible postseasons in NHL history, actually didn't win the Conn Smythe because Andre Vasilevsky was also incredible in net. But uh, Kucherov is great, lightning win a second straight cup, thanks to the fact that him being out for the entire regular season afforded them extra salary cap flexibility. And a lot of people were upset about that because they kind of thought that that was almost like the Lightning circumventing the cap because uh, all of a sudden, mysteriously, you know, Kucherov is out the entire regular season and suddenly healthy enough to play game one of the playoffs. And uh, from game one of the playoffs on, I mean, he just was immediately looked like Nikita Kucherov. Again, it was not like he needed any easy back, easing back in. He was awesome in the postseason last year. So like I said, a lot of people are going to compare this uh, cynically to that for those that don't like the idea that you can kind of circumvent the cap using LTIR. Uh, Obviously it's fair to point out that no matter what your view on teams doing this is, it is perfectly legal. Like the NHL had no problem with what the Lightning did last year. It was all by the books. They're allowed to play it the way they did just as if the, Knights decide that, hey, we're going to hold Mark Stone out the rest of this regular season with this back issue. And that way, we will not have to trade away anyone at the trade deadline because we will be able to use Mark Stone being on LTAR as kind of cap flexibility the rest of the year. And that way, even if he's back for game one of the playoffs and his back feels a lot better. Well, that's fine because there's no salary cap in the playoffs and we won't have to trade kind of anyone away. Until the offseason when we have to get cap compliant again. So that's what we're potentially looking at here. I guess two part question, Dave. One, is there any reason that you would expect right now that the Knights might not just be looking at that road where Mark Stone is almost certainly not coming back until game one of the playoffs, if at all? And, you know, how comparable do you find what the Knights are doing here? Either, you know, in a good way or a cynical way, you know, to what the lightning did with Kucherov last postseason.
1: Well, let me start with this. I want to read what Kelly McCrimmon said about the whole situation and, and just sort of the whole conspiracy theory aspect of all of this, because it's fun. And like, it's, you know, yeah, ha 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 on social media. And it's like a, you know, it's easy to, to meme it and, and make fun of them and like, what but you know, these guys are legitimately hurt. So this is what Kelly McCrimmon said. He, I would say that this had to happen for Mark Stone, irrespective of our salary cap, irrespective of Jack Eichel returning to play. Had Jack Eichel been able to return to play and Mark Stone was perfectly healthy, we would have made corresponding moves to fit him into our salary cap. So that's what so Kelly McCrimmon said about this. Like This was going to happen... You know, in terms of just the timing of it, I guess it worked out. And, and maybe that just shows how hard it is to win a Stanley Cup. That hockey, just, you never know. Kelly McCrimmon has said time after time, like, we always ask, hey, basically, hey, how are you going to be salary cap compliant? And his answer to us every single time is, we'll be cap compliant. You know, basically, like, it'll sort itself out. You know, somebody, and he doesn't say this, but somebody will get hurt, make a change. Like it, like, it's, it all it, something always happens like it just always seems to work out this way you know and yes it's like maybe weird timing and weird coincidence and, and all that but you know it to, to suggest that there's shenanigans i i mean i just think that's that's a little you know i'll say even you know irresponsible i mean so, as far as stone so like let me i want you to jump in on this too a little bit here you know when i'm when i'm done rambling ben but the trade deadline on march 21st seems to be a very important date in all of this and the reason i say that is because after march 21st if mark stone is healthy and you want to say give him the final 2 weeks of the season or give him 10 games whatever you want to try to give him you know if this suddenly heals up well, how are you going to clear out that 9.5 million that's been sitting on LTIR when you can't make a trade? Seems kind of difficult to me. So like March 21st seems like kind of the line of demarcation here of like, all right, if you're not healthy by then, well, then, you know, you're shut down until the playoffs. You know, you're just done. And in that case, I guess, man, maybe there's a comparison to, you know, Kucherov and, and in terms of just it's like you said though those are the rules and and that's how you manage the cap you know look here's the other side of this not many teams you know a dozen at the most do this and are willing to do this and are creative enough to do do this and are just basically going for it you know like that's the other side of this too and this is i'm just totally rambling now this is beauty of the podcast i'm going totally off the rails love it but Like you think about this in like five years in where the Golden Knights are, you know, and and I know it's only one year, but like Seattle, you look at some of these other like the Knights just go for it, dude. Like head first, they just dive in. Don't care. Don't even matter. You know, we're getting Jack Eichel bleep it. You know, we'll kick the, the salary cap can down the road like we'll figure it out. Like, like who does that? You know? And all this so so the fact that they're just willing to go for it, the fact that they're willing to be creative enough to say, okay, you know, we would have made all of these trades and done all of this stuff and fit them in. But now we've got Mark Stone, and and you know what? Unfortunately, his back is jacked up. (laughs) Pun intended. Um, and we need to put him on LTIR. So we'll figure out a way to just do that, and we can essentially replace him with, you know jack eichel i like there's only a few teams that that are daring enough and willing to do this and they're one of them and five years in for them to just you know like go hair on fire and, and say bah we got it we'll figure out the money you know who cares like it's crazy to think that that they're just you know i, I don't know that audacious about all this in a way in a good way, though. No, absolutely. And, I mean, obviously, we're talk, comparing them to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Kucherov
0: situation. It was audacious enough for the Lightning to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Now, if it wins the Knights one, I think, obviously, uh, they and most of the fans will say it was worth it. Uh, we'll see what the rest of the NHL thinks. They might look at them sideways a little bit. But, like we talked about, it's perfectly legal. It's within the rules. They have the right to do this if they so choose. And obviously they're the ones that will also then run the risk of Mark stone looking, you know, extremely rusty. If he does come back for game one of the playoffs after not playing for a number of months, Uh, it's obviously going to be a really interesting situation to monitor for the next uh, month or so before the trade deadline, as you mentioned. But um, I also think for those that are viewing it cynically, the one thing that I keep coming Uh, Back to a little bit as the fact that, uh, you know, like Kucherov was even more straightforward, I think, than what the Knights are dealing with right now. He had an issue. He had uh, hip surgery to fix it. And then he rehabbed and like recovered and was ready on time for the playoffs. That's like pretty simple to follow. As we've kind of already touched on here, this stone injury is much more nebulous and tricky, at least because as of right now, uh, you know, you asked Colin McRibbon and he has indicated they would still kind of prefer and think that they can, you know, get this right without surgery for now. And who knows, maybe it's they are trying desperately to avoid surgery in the next couple of months. And then, you know, day one of the off season, they issue a press release saying like Mark Stone, has officially undergone back surgery. Maybe that's where this ultimately heads, but who knows? It seems like right now they're trying to avoid surgery altogether. But because of that, it's a lot more uh, difficult to parse through, you know, how this is all going to work because they've already put Mark Stone, as we've talked about, on the shelf for a month this season after that uh, Kings games begin the year. And it didn't clearly fix things because he still wound up missing games intermittently. Uh, So if they shut him down for, you know, a couple months here towards the end of the regular season, it certainly would appear that unless they can pinpoint the issue, which they have thus far not done, that there's a chance that we get to game one of the playoffs as well if he comes back at that point. And then by game three, the playoffs, he's out again because it still hasn't healed or fixed itself or anything like that. So that makes, you know, this entire discussion, even compared to Kucherov, I feel like more tricky to navigate as well. Dave, like, this isn't as simple of like, there's an issue, we're fixing it. He'll be back at this point in time. It is there is an issue. We're trying to fix it and also we're not sure exactly what the issue is. So we're trying to like pin that down. And at the same time, we're kind of trying to address it. And so we'll figure out when he gets back. Hopefully when we figure all the rest of it out. It's just very complicated, which prevents me from just being like wholesale, like, oh man, Knights found a way to circumvent the cap and they're gonna have, you know, a ninety million dollar team in the playoffs and all that.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean I think clearly, you know, the point you made and, and the point Kelly McCurman tried to make and all of this is Mark Stone's hurt. Like there is something there. And I think again, it's easy to look at the timing and and just automatically, you know, go to the conspiracy theories and the you know, the Zapruder film and like all of the tinfoil hat stuff. Like it's just so so easy to to go to that place, you know. But I think, again, like the bigger concern and and sort of I think the bigger issue with all of this is, well, how long is Mark Stone going to be out? And what is actually the problem? You know, and is this going to linger? Is this going to be something, you know, that is a back version of Jack Eichel, you know, where the Golden Knights have to look at surgery options and all this sort of like that's that's the that's a last thing that they need right now you know is their captain having some kind of you know career threatening back thing or or whatever and having to go through all sorts of you know medical stuff so i mean yeah we the cap stuff is fine and it, and it makes for great conversation it makes for great you know conspiracy theories and all of that but i really think like ultimately the biggest thing out of all of this is like you know how how messed up is that back? How long is this going to last? And can he be effective? You know, if he's going to try to play through it, you know, come playoff time.
0: Yeah, we'll obviously have to see how this plays out. We might not get an update on Stone for a while. We certainly will get one around the trade deadline, and as we touched on, that will probably be the point of demarcation whether he's going to come back for the regular season or not. Uh, and there will be a lot to discuss uh then but we're gonna leave that topic there for now and spin to another fun trades headline conversation which is a trade deadline move uh that is not happening at least according to general manager kelly mccraman but sh- man is it fun to think about and that is the rumors of a mark andre Fleury reunion that swirled this week oh my goodness i can't believe that this is the third topic of this podcast when it would be, like, number one. Literally, it feels like any other week. Um, So to set the stage of how this all came about, uh, Robin Leonard, for those that have missed this, had an upper body injury. He is out a kind of non-specified amount of time. He's been seeing doctors and stuff like that. Uh, Laurent Bressois started last night against the Avalanche and actually was was very good. Uh, Pete DeVore did say he expects Leonard back, quote, sooner than later, quote, Um, But in the wake of this, and I believe this came out on Tuesday, uh, Frank Cervalli of Daily Faceoff reported that the Knights have been calling around to see what goaltenders are available just in case they need to add someone before the trade deadline. Uh, And that call list, uh, Cervalli said, included the number one rental goalie on the market, which, of course, is none other than the Vezna Trophy winning goaltender the Knights just traded away in the offseason in Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, so of course this just rocks the hockey internet and just as people are like digging their teeth into this, they're wrapping their minds around this people I'm sure are like starting to recreate Marc-Andre Fleury back in golden Knights photo edits and all this stuff. Uh, Dave, you and our colleague, Ed Graney just had the poor cold water, uh, all over it because, uh. Ed actually talked to McCrimmon, and he gave this comment on the record about the rumor that the Knights have called asking about Marc-Andre Fleury's availability. Uh, Quote, there's absolutely no credence to that rumor at all. I wouldn't normally speak on such things, but there will be so much racket about this. It's important to let people know that's not going to happen. Uh, So immediately doused and kind of put out that rumor even though it was fun to think about and so the next question of course is dave uh do you believe kelly mccrimmon when he says he's not going to seek a reunion with mark andre Fleury, or that a reunion with mark andre Fleury is not going to happen or is he you know pulling smoke and i feel like i know your answer but obviously i think a lot of fans want a different one
1: yeah i i'm sorry i'm like thinking we need like the prices right like, sound effects, you know, with, like, the sad trombone and, and all of that. like that. for Yes, like, for all of this stuff, because I absolutely believe Kelly McCrimmon. The fact that he was willing to just, like, so I would say strongly and forcefully go on the record to squash any talk of it. Uh, I think there's an absolute 100% reason, reason behind that and thought behind that. So I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think anybody who, you know, was getting their hopes up should expect number 29 to be back like, you know, from from what Ed, Ed Greeny said, you know, talking to him, like it was pretty adamant um that that's not going to happen. So, yeah, do I believe him? Um yes, but it's certainly fun to like think about. It's certainly, you know, interesting <laughs> to, you know, think of like the possibilities. I mean, I don't know, I'm trying to think of celebrities, you know, that reconciled and, and got back together. And like, I mean, it would be beyond anything. What didn't the like Kardashian and somebody get back together? Like
0: out of all the people that I would have expected to pull a Kardashian reference out in the middle of a hockey podcast, you would have been way low down the list. I'm not
1: going to yeah, lie. Yeah, you know, I surprise. I know. I know. But. But anyway, so, yeah, that's a long, rambling answer for, for I absolutely believe, Kelly McCrimmon. And I don't think we're going to see Marc-Andre a Golden Knights. Either.
0: No, I, like you said, I think it was very purposeful. Like, I mean, it, as he kind of at like, he does not like going on the record about these things. He does not like commenting on any sort of moves he will or will not make, period. And so I was trying to think back of this because I did, you know, I was Doing something that we try not to do all the time, which is like read the comments on your tweet and kind of what people quote tweeting it were saying. And a lot of people, obviously, uh, fans that I think are jaded by how the Flurry saga ended this offseason, you know, either uh, didn't believe Kelly McCrimmon or didn't want to believe Kelly McCrimmon. But while I believe McCrimmon is certainly uh, guilty of not always being the most forthcoming person in the world he does not like to show a single one of his cards uh publicly until he has to usually after the fact you know he will not discuss what moves he's thinking about before they happen and then he will be you know free to kind of discuss how they came about once they are like officially and locked in um but i don't think he i can't remember a time he has ever like on the record like this kind of forcibly just straight up lied or said something that turned out very much to not be true. Um, it was kind of wrecking my brain to kind of go through examples. And the, most of the, you know, times I can think of when he's communicated with us, it's been a, you know, he's not said something or he's, you know, not revealed something, um, until, you know, much later, it's kind of clear what was going on behind the scenes, but I don't remember him kind of going out on the record like this. And this is a case of, he didn't need to go, you know, on the record. He chose to, no, I'm going to state this publicly so that people can understand it. Uh, I can't think of a time he, you know, said something just like blatantly untrue like this. So, which obviously leads me to believe that the flurry thing is, isn't going to happen. But interestingly enough, he obviously didn't, you know, uh, address that the Knights might be interested in goaltenders in general. So how much did that potentially peak your antenna up uh, for the trade deadline as we are about a month out here today? Yeah,
1: let me go back to a couple of things just real quick too because like, okay, first off, I think in defense of Kelly McCrimmon because, you know, somebody might hear what you're saying and be like, you know, oh, well, you guys even wrote a story that they weren't going to get Jack Eichel in the summer. Well, like, you know, things change, you know, like this stuff is always fluid. Yeah, so Kelly McCrimmon can say... Something then and things might not look like, you know, they're going to do it, you know. Well, you know what? Five, six months down the road, things are different. So, like, you can't always hold somebody to every single word that they say and, you know.
0: Yeah, and a quick cut, even with the Eichel stuff, um, because, yeah, over the summer, he kind of said, you know, something to the effect of, like, I think we're done. That's We're not looking to make any additional moves. Even then, he always kind of leaves himself open with of, like... But if something comes across our desk, we'll consider it. And so he always just nudges the door open just a little bit um, where he leaves himself open for things to change. Whereas obviously this time with the uh, statement to our colleague, Ed, there's not a lot of room for wiggle room there. Not a lot left up to uh, interpretation in terms of what he said. Yeah.
1: And I feel like, you know, people are are, there's a segment of the fan base that is you know, just sort of looking to poke holes in everything Kelly McCrimmon does, you know, some of that confirmation bias, so to speak, of just, you know, they, they're they not happy with him. So anytime they feel like they can, you know, take him down a notch and, you know, you said this, you're a liar, like, you know, they're going to try to do it. Um, so, and I do want to acknowledge one other part of this too, because there was sort of a, I'll call it a conspiracy theory, but you know what? Maybe a little more believable, I guess. I don't know. You know, in some of those replies that, you know, hey, maybe the Knights did reach out and maybe Flurry said, you know, go kick rocks. Like, there's no way I'm coming back. You know, maybe I could believe that. And then Kelly McCurman would, you know, be a little more willing to say, hey, you know, there's absolutely nothing happening here. I don't know if that's the case, you know, but, you know, just conspiracy theories and you know people throwing stuff out there so you know i i just wanted to at least acknowledge that but you know again i i think the last thing that you brought up and and the last thing you, that you know that we're talking about here is sort of the biggest point and it's lost in the fact that you know the rumor centers around flurry and if it was anybody else it will be about well, what the heck is going on with robin leonard and the golden knights goaltending situation. Because no offense to Laurent Brossois, but Golden Knights are not going to win the Stanley Cup with him as their goaltender. They invested in Robin Leonard. And he's their number one. And, you know, OK, say what you want about whether he can guide him in the cup. But like, that's the guy that they believe can do it. And if he's hurt, if he's trying to do it with, you know, what's been reported, you know, a bad shoulder, a, a potentially a torn labrum something that might, you know, require surgery. I mean a torn labrum, just just if because that's been reported by by Frank Saravelli, like like that's a minimum, at least you know, for like NFL players and things like that. You're talking like, you know, three to six months if, if you go through surgery, minimum. You know, so like that's a major injury. That that could be a season ending injury if if Robin Leonard has to undergo surgery for that. And and, and again, like that's the biggest point is the Golden Knights did all of this stuff. We had, we've had we been talking for, for you know, 35, 40 minutes here. You know, Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, you know, this, this super team that they could potentially have come playoff time. But if they don't have a goaltender that can shoulder the load, like all of that just goes down the drain potentially.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's the most important position in hockey. It's honestly not even... That close. I mean, I know people, especially the playoffs, like to joke that they should just nickname the sport goalie because they're the ones that ultimately decide how things are going. I mean, obviously Knights fans have experienced this. uh, I just keep going back to the bubble that series against Vancouver. Uh, The Canucks were a much worse team than the Golden Knights. They still took the Knights to seven games because Thatcher Demko just decided to play out of his mind for, I think, four games there. Um, and almost single-handedly, you know, destroyed the Knights season. And that was all Demko. And, like, I think he had, like, a 985 save percentage those four games. And if a goalie does that, you can't win. Like, it doesn't matter how good of a team you are. That's the kind of crazy and sometimes frustrating thing about hockey. And so, if Robin Leonard uh, is not going to be uh, back with the Golden Knights or back at 100% with the Knights, that's massive in terms of what you think about their kind of long-term outlook the rest of the season. Now, as uh, we're recording, as I've kind of hinted at, like we don't necessarily know what Leonard's outlook is. As I said, uh, Pete DeBoer said Leonard is expected to be back kind of quote sooner than later. We'll see whether that was real or whether that might've been, you know, trying to push back on uh, this uh, Frank Servali report as much as possible just to at least, reclaim some leverage as the Knights are talking to potentially these teams. So they don't look quite as desperate for goaltending Uh, because uh, if Leonard is out for an extended period of time or kind of comes back and does not look like himself, Dave, uh, as you said, they will be 100% desperate for goaltending when we'll have to see who's available. Uh, Obviously there's a lot of uh, bridges to cross there before we get to that point. Uh, And that's the same with all of the topics we've talked about. uh, A lot of things happened this week and there's a lot of things that'll be really interesting to see how they continue to progress moving forward. But certainly uh, it's usually never boring in Golden Knights world and this week was just near the tops in terms of just stuff constantly happening. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, breakdown of all of it here. There was so much to get to. Uh, Just quickly before we go, as a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. We are also presented uh, by Blue Wire. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goetz. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon.